This is episode number 704 on the power of building influential relationships. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Harvey McKay said, my golden rule of networking is simple. Don't keep score. And the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. And the quality of your business is no different. I'm so excited about this episode because we just got finished with the Summit of Greatness 2018, our third annual event. And I've been hearing nonstop feedback from the weekend about how many key influential relationships the 1,500 plus attendees all made with one another, with the speakers, the performers, and all the influencers who were in attendance. For me, over the last 10 years, since I got started in online business and building a business and brand, relationships have been the cornerstone of my business and my growth. It's what's gotten me in the big rooms. It's what's gotten me the mainstream press, the six and seven figure deals, the New York Times bestselling author, all those big things I've achieved have come through key, influential, powerful individuals that I've connected with over the years. And finding those key influential people for your business or your career or your life is one thing. Connecting with them and cultivating a relationship is another. We're going to talk about that in this episode. But if you haven't been to one of my Summit of Greatness events, my annual event, make sure to check out my Instagram stories right now and my page at Lewis House to check out what happened this last weekend is it was crazy. And early bird tickets for next year are available. So make sure to go to summitofgreatness.com slash 2019. In this episode, we cover how people in your life help you make a roadmap for where you want to go. Also, why you need to make a relationship action plan, the importance of an accountability group, and how you can find a powerful one. We discuss why you are never too good for a job and the reason you should always bring your creative best to the table and why you need to go all in and not let failure be an option for you. We bring you Keith Ferrazzi, one of the leading experts on building high net worth relationships, New York Times bestseller of Never Eat Alone. We bring you Bozma St. John, who is incredible at building relationships in her career over her track record, and Scooter Braun, my good friend who has one of the most influential networks in the world to teach you insights on how to build powerful relationships. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with benefits like four times membership rewards points that adapt to your top two eligible spending categories every month on up to $150,000 in purchases per year and up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. My son had a gift with technology. 
with reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program. The world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. So many of us love coffee, like the living for it type of love. Some like it hot, some like it iced with a splash of creamer, and some like it with a cold foam topping. Many of us stop into coffee shops on our way to work more often than we'd like to admit. But now, thanks to International Delight Cold Foam Creamer, you can make cold foam coffee at home, or in my team's case, in the office, and it's a game changer. I was just chatting with a teammate of mine about our love for the occasional sweet treat coffee. Sometimes, it's just the thing you need as a pick-me-up on a business day and we just stocked our office fridge with international delight cold foam creamer and it never misses the team's favorite flavor so far is the caramel macchiato you just shake the canister and spray it into your coffee and voila you've got an incredible cold foam coffee no frothing fancy machines or mess required international delight cold foam creamer foams and creams your coffee from top to bottom the best part it works on both hot and iced coffee it comes in three foaming delicious flavors, French vanilla, sweet and creamy, and caramel macchiato. So you can switch things up depending on your mood. Look for your favorite flavor next time you're at your grocery store and be prepared to say goodbye to your barista. International Delight Cold Foam Creamer. It's foaming delicious. Again, a thank you to our sponsor. And for those who are looking to grow your business, your brand, your relationships, this is the episode for you. lewishouse.com slash 704. Make sure to share it out with your friends. Without further ado, let's dive into the show. Our job is to create a roadmap of individuals in our lives through whom we learn. And I just started a new, I was just chatting with you about a second ago, I started a new high-tech mobile enterprise software company. I am so out of my own, <laughs> but you know, I'm raising money, I'm hiring individuals, I'm coming up with strategy, I'm building a sales force, I'm doing a lot of the stuff I know how to do, a lot of stuff I don't know how to do. I am finding mentors, left and right. It's survival. You are, yeah. So mentorship to me is about uh, relational learning. Mm. And if you think about it that way, then you, then you don't have a mentor. You have many mentors around your learning roadmap. What is relational learning? What does that actually mean? All right. What are my goals in life? You've got plenty of goals in your life. And we've talked about these. At lunch, I remember that great conversation we had. And then what you do is you assign to your goals a relationship action plan. And a relationship action plan, as I teach in Never Eat Alone, had to do with who are the individuals that will open up opportunity for me, right? That's great. But then the next question is, who are the individuals that will teach me the stuff I need to do to be successful once I get there and on my way to getting there? That's a distinct relationship map. Do you have the opportunity relationship map? Who's going to get me that job? Who's going to introduce me right. to the network that I need? Who's going to help me get clients? Opportunity network. Which is huge. And then the relational learning network is separate, right? Interesting. And, and I think both are critical to be curated. Interesting. What's more important? Getting the foot in the door or? Yes. Yes, right? I mean, because yeah. if you show up as an empty suit without the intellectual curiosity, without the inquisitive questions, which I learned from those the learning roadmap individuals, the relational individual uh, learning uh, roadmap, the answer is yes. Like, I mean, look, I, I guess I would rather get a shot at the job 
if I had to choose one or the other, the opportunity roadmap is critical. Uh, but I have to tell you, you'll never exceed, you'll never grow. And then the third set of relationships, which we've talked about, are the lifelines that actually go one step deeper. It's not about knowledge acquisition. It's about butt-kicking accountability. Mm. It's that small group of people, those lifeline relationships, as I talk about in Who's Got Your Back, that won't let you fail. Yeah. So for us to achieve anything we want to achieve in our life, we got to have the opportunity, we got to have the knowledge and the wisdom, but then we have to have the chutzpah, the push, the drive, the accountability that frankly, most of us will fail ourselves and need somebody else for butt kicking. Yeah, exactly. And the the challenge I see with most people is that they don't have a a support group or accountability group or a mastermind or whatever you want to call it. So how does someone want first find that and figure out who the right people are that aren't going to suck the energy from them but are also going to give and take at the Look, same it's time. it's trial and error. When, yeah. when I wrote Who's Got Your Back, there's a chapter in it that talks about the long, slow dinner. And I think by the time we're done here in a short period of time, I want everybody who's watching us to have a relationship action plan. So, you know, as we're sitting here, scribble down your goals and next to every goal, start writing three to five people's names critical to achieving those mm, goals. Right. That's the opportunity group. Then I want you to ask yourself, who to achieve my goal do I want to learn from? Write those names down. Then start imagining who are the people that I could trust around four core, there are four core characteristics of a lifeline relationship. And frankly, all relationships, but the, but the tightest ones have to have four things. Yeah. Number one is intimacy to the point of vulnerability. Can I tell you when I'm really feeling weak? Can I tell you when I'm up against the wall? Intimacy to the point of vulnerability. Second is generosity. Do I really want to help you and do you really want to help me? Do we, do we mm. care enough to help? Generosity. Candor. Will you tell me the truth? Right? Most intimate, critical relationships lie to each other. And they shouldn't. Sure. Candor <laughs> in, and conflict avoidance is horrible. Why do they Candor lie to critical. each other? Because they just don't want to make each other feel bad? Placation. Or... They think that that's their role to make each other feel good. Yeah. Look, I mean, I think a lot of it is the people don't realize that relationships need to be leaned on, The relationships aren't scarce, that there are, uh, a lot of people are conflict avoidant out of psychological fear of abandonment. I mean, there's a lot of insecurities and fear that drive our relational behaviors. And I have to say that conflict avoidance has to be one of the most erosive, erosive elements of organizational and human society, right? So the, the fourth is accountability, mm. right? But candor and accountability together make a high-performing relationship. What I would do is I would list three people that you have a strong enough relationship with now. You and I, frankly, you and I have a perfectly reasonable and strong enough relationship. I call it a level two relationship, right? Maybe we're bordering on a three, but certainly two to three, and three is a strong relationship. If you want to go to a lifeline, which is like in my world, a three plus, Uh what you're going to do is you're going to go out and have a long, slow dinner. You're going to take your armor off and you're going to say, look, here's what I want to do. Here's what I'm afraid of. And here's how I think I'm going to get there. What do you think? Mm. And see how the person responds. Do they respond with candor? Do they respond, respond with intimacy? Do they let their guards down? Do they respond with accountability? At the end of the, the dinner, are they saying to you, dude, let's talk next week because I think you should do these two or three things mm-hmm. and I'm going to hold you accountable for them, damn it. Now, if after the dinner they don't call you the following week, then maybe they're not the right person to be your life, right? 
My career not only requires me to travel, but also gives me the freedom to. Traveling has brought me so many positive experiences and memories. Like that time I spent the holidays at an Airbnb in Big Bear with some of my extended family, and it was the perfect way to come together and connect with my family that I don't see that often. If you have a similar setup that allows you to travel often, have you ever thought about your empty home while you're gone? More specifically, how you can make some extra money by keeping your home occupied while you're out of town. I'm a big advocate for setting up a side hustle to give you an extra stream of income, and Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start. Many people host on Airbnb, including some friends of mine, but there are some people out there who've never even realized their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you've got yourself an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But this is why I just, I love when we think about like culture and connections with people and stuff like that. It didn't matter where I came from or that I'd gone to this super snobby school and thought I was like the biggest, illest thing. You make connections with people and they, they saved my life. They fed me. That's amazing. Actually, because I was in Florida when the wonderful waitress <laughs> who had become like an auntie to me uh-huh. was like, you need a job. <laughs> and I'm like, I know I'm trying to get a job. But I was like applying for these like highfalutin jobs that didn't make any sense. Now I look back on it and like I laugh at myself. Yeah. You um, needed like an entry level. Yeah. I need like an entry level job. And she had like a niece or something who signed up with a temp agency. And so she was like, oh, you know, you sign up and basically, you know, you call them every night and they'll tell you where you need to go in the morning. So it's like it's transient work, basically. But yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. yeah, whatever, whatever, anything. Pay me 50, 100 bucks a day, whatever it doesn't matter. It is. Yeah. I was making zero money, so anything would have been good. So I walked in there. They laughed at me because like, I had, like, you know, a great degree and, like, all these experiences. I, you know, speak language. They were just like, Professor, this yeah, is- they were like, what are you doing here? But they sent me out on jobs. I was a receptionist at a dog washing salon on the Upper East Side. I filed, like, National Geographics at this one place for, like, two months, which was awful. Mm. I nearly lost my mind in mm. that one. God, I did so many little things. Oh, I was a, oh, what do they call them when, um, you know, you're, like, serving at a party? You're wearing, like, the tux? Yeah, like a... Uh... Catering, catering, yes. So I did that a few times, which, by the way, I mean, all of these experiences It's like what every now, model does. Yeah, yeah right, right, exactly. Catering. Except I was, not, you know, I was in the club, though. <laughs> 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 out in those streets. <laughs> Get to know people and God, all the clubs in New York then, which were just so fun and just crazy. I also made so many good friends at that time because all of like the assistants or people who were like entry level at their own places would like get you in to the party. So like my good friend, Moxa Fitzgibbons, who's now very senior at Complex Magazine, I met him that way where like I would go to their magazine release parties because they have one every month and pass our doors were free. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Open bar. Oh, yeah. So of course. I go and eat there, right? It was great. That just hustling, just hustling to make it. And then one day I got the divine intervention, the call that it was like, okay, Spike Lee had fired his assistant and they needed me to go cover phones the next day. So it was. You were like, oh, this is my jam. I was like, like something like this. I was like, yeah, this is me. Yeah, this is made <laughs> for me. You know, so I go in there, I'm wearing like the only gray suit I own. I've pulled my hair back into like a severe bun. I'm wearing these little tiny pearls because I want to look professional. And I walk in there and he's like, they sent me Miss America. <laughs> That's literally what he said to me. Like, wow. I was like, wah, 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 wah. 
of like all shriveled down, you know, like, oh my gosh. Ah, you know, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get fired before I even answer the first phone. And he was like, who are you? You know, and I was like, oh, I'm Bozeman St. John. You know, I was like, it's an honor to meet you. That I just want to help. You know, like, where do, where do you want me? He's just like, just sit down, okay, and answer the phone. Wow. Because <laughs> here I thought I was going to be doing some big stuff, right? But that turned into a month of answering the phones. I was so getting coffee. So you come back the next day. Yeah, 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 I got the dry cleaning, anything, lunch for anybody in the office, everything, whatever needed to be done. I mean, I was fixing the copying machine, I was, anything that needed to be done I was doing. Meanwhile, my dad is like calling me constantly and screaming, right? You have an Ivy League degree <laughs> yeah, what and are you you're doing? getting coffee. <laughs> you know, he was so pissed. <laughs> and then again, moment of divine intervention. Spike had just finished writing Bamboozled, one of his films that to me is is one of the greatest. I remember this. Yes, yes. Pieces of like, you know, just what racial conflict is like in America, yes. right? And what it means and all that. Very, very deep film. He finished writing it and he, he threw it down on the desk and he was like, take a look at this. I didn't know any better. I thought he meant like mark it up because yeah, I, you know, I was an English major. And I mean, I was like, oh, let me just let me grab my red pen. Wow. You know what I mean? And I marked this thing up. Like, I marked it up. Now, like I literally could die sitting here and being like, there you go, boss. Like, like, right? This is a month in, two months? Or? Like, yes, yeah, like six weeks in. Wow. Like I've been getting the coffee in the dry cleaning. Wow. Who do you think you are? You just walk in, now you're going to be marking up Spike Lee's script? Like, that's what you're going to do? But like, yeah, he came the next day, he's like, what'd you think of it? And I was like, oh yeah, I made, I made some notes. And he was like, notes? You made notes on my script? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah. And so he like, he just shook his head and I remember like, literally everyone snickering, you know, around and I was like, oh my God, now I'm really going to get fired, you know? And he goes into his office like an hour later, he walks back out. He was just like, what do you do again? And that was it. That was it. I had a full-time job. No way. I got promoted. Yep, I had a little desk. Then I became like the assistant account executive. I didn't even know what the hell that was. But I told my dad I had benefits, you know, so. <laughs> You're not a temp anymore, yeah. I was not a temp anymore. What happened was Jermaine was, took me to, the, I'll never forget, took me downstairs to this nightclub and he wanted to talk alone. And he got on this stool, and he's so short that his feet were dangling. <laughs> and he's like, man, I'm going to get you living in mansions, and these parties aren't going to be there. Come work for me at So So Def. And I said, okay. And uh, I went and worked for So So Def for three years and uh, dropped out of school. And I still remember when he gave me, like, my So So Def puffy jacket. Like, it's kind of like a starter jacket, okay. but I had So So Def and sure. a scooter on it. I thought I was the coolest guy in the whole world. Because <laughs> so I was like, money ain't a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a really great ride. I learned a lot from Jermaine. Super grateful. And then, you know, I've had certain people who've given me chances throughout my career. Right, right, right. So were you already three to five years in the uh, promotion business when he approached you? Or was that earlier on? No, no. I was a big promoter when he approached already. me. Yeah, so I was already a big college party promoter. I was everyone big, knew that you could uh, we were We were the biggest revenue-wise college promotion company in the U.S. Right, right. And so we were doing really well. I'm like, that's my seat. That's your chair. I was like, where's that sound coming from? And I was like, oh, that's me. It's all good. Um, that's so, cool. So you made a name for yourself and he was like, okay, this guy can yeah. consistently bring yeah. in. Yeah. He people. used to call me his Lior to his Russell Simmons. <laughs> so I, he was little Lior, white puff. I had a lot of cool little nicknames back then. So what did you start doing for him? So you learned a lot in this promotional business. It sounds like you learned a lot. You're just like guerrilla marketing, basically, and, mm -hmm. and being creative. What did you learn while uh, at the next level? And what were you doing specifically for him? Was it more marketing um, artists and Yeah, it was, records it was and marketing artists. It was building outside campaigns. I was the vice president of marketing at Sosa Def Records. I was 20 years old. Wow. And we went on this crazy run. 
or when I signed on with Jermaine, he didn't even have distribution yet. He signed on new distribution and then we did Jay Kwan, Tipsy. We did Anthony Hamilton. We did the Young Bloods. We did Usher Confessions. Jermaine mm-hmm. executive produced that. And that's how me and Usher became close because we were in the studio every night. In fact, Confessions Part 1 almost didn't happen because I was trying to get them to come to the nightclub with me. No way. And they kicked me out of the studio. <laughs> wow. Smart move, guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I was still learning. And while I was doing that, I was trying to create my own artist. So I was spending all my money on the side. Is this Asher or is this? No, a- this, was, this was early on. These were... Um, acts that people don't know about because it was well i was still learning sure. you know so i had this act uh, od and that fell apart because they robbed a bunch of banks in atlanta and oh the gosh. fbi shut them down they got caught because our mixtape i paid for to put out they were posing and the fbi finally identified them from our mixtape that we flooded atlanta with and then i had this artist kato who's part of od who i was very close with um and i just financed everything for a long time i mean i paid for the mixes the masters the housing i mean it was just like i was understanding how to develop an artist and i learned a lot from that experience because mm. i failed mm. um what were some of the big lessons you learned early on you think with that well artist? i learned how to make records first of all i mean i learned the mixing the mastering i learned the radio promotion side independently because i was working record independently i learned you know how to trust my gut at the right time um, and I, and I hear all the time of like, oh, everything you sign, you know, blows up. But I, I had a lot of failures before Asher Roth happened. Mm. And Asher was kind of a new beginning for me because it was the first time I did it without Soso Def. So my back was against the wall. I had, it was all my money. I had no income coming in. I refused to do parties. You had everything to lose, basically. Everything. I mean, literally, I, I will never forget. I'm actually moving into my new house with my wife now. And I looked around. I said, I can't believe we live here because I remember paying for pizza with change. You know, I remember I ordered this pizza and I realized I didn't have any money and I had to wait till the next party the following week. And uh, I paid for pizza with change and then I was quick parties cold turkey because I said, if I have to throw a party Mm. again, I failed. Mm. So I I had enough money when I signed Asher to, you know, live for about 13 months, my lifestyle. And then I was going to go broke. And I signed Asher and Justin within four months of each other. And I put everything into them. I mean, housing, studio time, paying for the tutor, paying for the, the furniture, paying everything. And I really believed in these guys. And it makes it all worth it now mm. because it was, uh, I was far away from home. I couldn't go home. Sure. I wasn't asking my dad for money since I was 18. And um, I had to make it for my, on my, my own. And the idea mm. of failing wasn't an option. Did you ever think that one of them wanted or both of them wouldn't be successful in their own way or that you wouldn't, they wouldn't work out or you would have to find another way to make money. After no, I really, months? I really believed in both of them. When I found Asher, I knew exactly what it could be. What Asher also taught me though, is sometimes artists don't want to be as big as you want them to be. Asher was super happy being who he was. Mm. And I had this vision to make him the biggest artist in the world. And, you know, we had so much hype and he just, that wasn't what he wanted. And one of my closest friends now, he's my brother for life. And he just put out a video the other day, kind of chronicling the whole journey we've had together Mm -hmm. for himself. Mm -hmm. And um, it was really nice to see because, you know, he just wanted to make music and enjoy his life and never really be famous. And, you know, and he's achieved that and he's done very well for himself. And he had the big hit. He had the number three album. And it was a struggle for me. With Justin, Justin was like, make me the biggest. <laughs> right. Let's like, go. Like, perfect. You know, and, and, you know, he was very much like me and we, you know, grinded and he was a young man and, you know, it was, uh, it was a different thing. But, you know, when Asher made I Love College, it was in the basement of this house I was renting in this crap hole that like had rats everywhere. We used to call it the greenhouse because the truth is he was smoking so much weed down there. <laughs> but that night, uh, he wasn't smoking weed. He never smoked when Justin was around. 
but he recorded I Love College and Justin actually was in the studio. Mm. Uh, he was with studio. It was like a little crap room in the basement. You know, my buddy sure. was doing engineering. But we all kind of came up together and there's this really great picture of me, Asher and Justin on the front porch of that house. And no one knew Justin was. I mean, there's videos of Asher and me with Ludacris and everyone's hyped because Asher and Ludacris are in the same room. And they don't notice there's this little kid sitting behind Just us. Chilling. It's Justin. There you have it, my friends. I hope you enjoyed this episode all about the power of building influential relationships, how to build them, how to cultivate them, and how to add value to influential people. This is a powerful one. Again, relationships are the key to growth in any business. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, make sure to share with your friends, lewishouse.com slash 704. All the show notes back at the show notes page. You can check it out there and let me know what you thought of this. Make sure to share it on your Instagram stories and tag me as well. Again, Harvey McKay said the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships and the quality of your business is no different. Are you cultivating new relationships in your life? Are the five most influential people around you actually positive or negative? Are they succeeding in the ways that you want to be succeeding? If not, make sure to take a look at that and start seeing how can I cultivate new relationships, powerful relationships? What are the rooms I need to get into? Who do I need to be reaching out to online? How can I be different and creative in the way I approach new relationships? I hope you guys enjoyed this one. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Metro, get an iPhone 12 with 5G and a dual camera system for $99.99. Take amazing pictures and share them instantly. And don't put up with life's yada yada. Yada yada. Like photo bombers. Zoom, crop out, yada yada. And bye. You don't take yada yada in life. Don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Get iPhone 12 with 5G with no activation fees and nada yada yada. Only at Metro by T Mobile. Switch to Metro, bring your ID. This offer isn't available for customers currently at T Mobile or that have been with Metro in the past 180 days.